Whether the opponent is a financial hardship, a difficult boss, being in a manipulative relationship, or emerging from a pandemic, my next guest's new book, The Art of Badassery, Unleash Your Mojo with the Wisdom of the Dojo, teaches readers how to flex their mental muscle, how to rise above fears, and how to reclaim their power. I received an advanced copy of Jennifer Cassetta's book and tore through it in record speed. A self-help book addict, I've read pretty much all of them, and in my opinion, Jennifer's is one of the best. By taking the skills she learned in the dojo to become a third-degree black belt and translating those into confidence boosters you can use in your life, Jennifer brings the perfect mix of class, sass, and badass to women everywhere. Meet Jennifer Cassetta. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Candace. I am ready to embrace my inner badass. I've been reading this book. I love everything about it. Mm. But I wanted to start, though, because you are the first person I've met who was actually, you know, within blocks mm -hmm. of the towers coming down on 9-11. So if you wouldn't mind, can we start with that? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, it is in the introduction of my book because it is that pivotal of a moment in my life and in many people's lives. Um, I always just want to remember them as well. Um, but essentially, I was working three blocks south of the World Trade Center at the time. It was a beautiful, sunny Tuesday morning. I still remember the, the color of the sky was crystal clear. Um, as I entered the subway heading downtown, when I got out of the subway at Wall Street, I looked up and the towers had already been hit. I just saw black smoke coming out of the World Trade Center, obviously not knowing what had happened. I made it to the building I worked at. The doorman wouldn't let me upstairs. He said I can use the phone in the lobby because our cell phones were not working at the time. And I called my mom because I figured she'd be worried. And within seconds, though, the first tower fell. A swarm of people came rushing into the lobby. The phone went flying out of my hands, um, and I got pushed into this utility closet with all these people looking for shelter. When that happened, I froze. I completely shut down, pretty much from like the neck down. I felt like I couldn't move, and I just remember, you know, crying until this woman came over to me, grabbed me by the shoulders, and asked me my name. I said, Jennifer. She said, Jennifer, I'm Nancy. The two of us were going to get out of here today, and sure enough. We were all evacuated, everyone scattered, and Nancy and I stuck together and we're going from building to building to building looking for a safe place. It was hours until I finally had the idea to take Nancy to the martial arts school or the dojo that I had been training at for the previous year. And when we entered, covered in dust and soot, um, really for the first time that day is when I finally felt some bit of safeness, right? I wouldn't say completely safe, but definitely more safe and was able to, you know, breathe deeply, drink water, wipe the soot off my body, et cetera. And, um, and, and looking back now, obviously, you know, I feel like that it was a pivotal day, but also time in my life because in the weeks and months following, all I wanted to do was go to that dojo, get out to the mat, do the work. Um, and to and to just close that story of the day, sorry, um, you know, Nancy went home to her family and I, I've never seen her since. I've never been able to locate her or find her. So I'm still searching for Nancy. Um, if you're out there, I just want to thank you so much for 
being that badass black belt who helped me (laughs) during that day. I love that story because it's powerful. It shows the power of women helping other women. And obviously, this event sent you on a lifelong journey to master being a badass. And you are now sharing it with other women in your book, The Art of Badassery. Unleash your mojo with wisdom of the dojo. And I think we need to start now with how do we define a badass? Well, I mean, my loose definition is essentially um, that a badass is a person who can embrace the suck, you know, um, roll with the punches when life gets gets challenging and hard, block the BS that comes their way, use their voice in a powerful way to stand up for themselves and others, take care of their bodies, um, you know, have some type of mindfulness practice, and lastly, really take a stand for others, causes that are greater for themselves, as well as um, really, you know, what's what is my mission is to help other women rise as well. And that's really what Nancy did for you, isn't it? Completely. Sort of stepped in, yeah. Completely. There were a ton of other people in that room, and one woman just stepped up and, you know, got me out of my complete distress, frozen, you know, trauma. It's incredible. And and I like that what I really love about this book, I've been, you know, furiously reading through it and enjoying everything, but I really love the translation from the dojo into real life. Yeah. I don't practice martial arts, mm-hmm. but I get this analogy in such a deep way Good. that I think people reading this book are really going to understand each chapter. It doesn't matter that you haven't done these things. Right. Uh, it's just, it translates so great. So let's go through the belt levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Obviously, people are going to go out and read this book. We can't go into the whole book, but we'll sort of touch on little things in each chapter and what it means. So let's start with uh, the white belt and what does that look like? Yes. So white belt level or the first chapter is titled um, Embrace the Suck. Life is not one long, smooth ride. As we know, things that suck are bound to happen. And the sooner that we can accept that and accept all of the sucky things that have happened in our past, the sooner we can move on to creating and pursuing the life that we truly want. Um, I I love the analogy also of getting onto the mat for the first few times as a white belt, pure beginner. Um, you know, you're using muscles that you've never used before. You're going to be sore. You're going to be uncomfortable. You have to learn all these different bowing techniques and cultural differences. Uh, It's really like getting out into life, putting yourself out there on the mat in your dojo, quote unquote dojo, um, the places that you work, live, interact with other people. It can be really uncomfortable. And then you're going to be faced with opponents, opponents that are either trying to take you down or you get caught up in the path, whatever happens, right? Um, No one gets out of this life without terrible things happening to them. And I know that's kind of a downer, but to me, it's very freeing. And it feels like, you know, that beginner level, I think as adults, we really think, oh, if I'm not immediately good at this, I'm going to (laughs) suck and I don't want to do it. You know, I mean, when we're kids, we're not like that. We try, we try, we try until we master it. Right. Uh, But as adults, we're so afraid of failing. And I think that this, this book really is about you know, clawing back all of those uh, hangups you have yeah. and starting over to master your life. 
Yeah. And, and specifically in the, in the first chapter, we go into the past, right? And I think it's important because why are people held back these days? And usually it's because of something in the past, a story we've made around a perceived failure, a challenge, a hardship, a heartache, a heartbreak, right? Um, and then we, we kind of build this armor so we don't get hurt again. And then we're, then we're stuck. And I just want to help people get unstuck. Yeah, I want to I want to focus on that armor point for a second because I think people might read this and go, well, this is about building a strong self and putting on armor to guard from any hurt and that. It's actually not about that at all. It's the opposite. Yeah, it's about recognizing the armor that you've been using and when it's time to let it go, right? Put it down. And but back to your point, I mean Sometimes we pick up the armor because it is helpful in the moment, right? And, and armor can look like um, things like using deflection or humor to deflect or um, even just kind of drowning ourselves in a pint of Ben and Jerry's or binging Netflix, right? It's not like those, those particular um, behaviors are going to make you a bad person. It's just when we use them so much to numb out the feelings that we never really get to feel them and therefore we can't move past them if we're always numbing them. I think a common one for women mm. that women probably put on a lot is that classic, nobody's getting in to hurt me again. Yes. I am, I, my heart's been broken, so that's it. The walls are up, the armor is on, yeah. and nobody is getting past this, and we only end up hurting ourselves. Completely. You'll never be able to have a close bond with anyone going forward if you hold that armor too long. But like I said, in the beginning, you pick it up because it helps you. Right. And, and that is okay. We have to recognize that doing these things are okay and can be part of the process. But you need to know when it starts to weigh heavily on you and it's getting in the way of living your most badass life going, going into the future. So in the, in that chapter, then that first chapter, you talk about finding your secret weapons. What are, what are your secret weapons? Mm, good question. Um, so first of all, the analogy is, um, when I was at that white belt level, I would, be looking up to these a lot of women black belts in my in the school that I trained at so I was so in awe of them how sharp their their kicks were and how they had their swords forms executed so precisely and I mean they were badass and um but I also recognized that they all had like their secret weapon whether it be their hook punch or their roundhouse kick, whatever it was, their one thing that they drilled over and over and over again. And I realized that they only got to have that weapon or develop that weapon because of, you know, the stuff that they were going through on the mat. So I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. You know, all these things that I've been through in my life, there is a secret weapon that I've developed from them. So for example, um, you know, and I talk about it in the book is losing my father in 2016. And again, I know so many of your listeners have probably lost a parent by now. Um, it sucks. It's awful. And at the same time, I can now look and think, well, I actually developed empathy from that experience. And that is now one of my secret weapons, a weapon that I can rely on that helps me build deeper connections with people. Um, that helps me create more content. I mean, it's just a whole other 
side of myself that I don't feel that was very developed before that. Um, you know, to be quite honest, I was not the most empathetic person. So losing my dad, like I said, in, in seven days from diagnosis to, to his deathbed, um, it happened so quick and so fast. It was like a train wreck. And in, anyone out there, I'm, not that you know my father, but my father was a martial artist, a meditator, the cleanest eater. Like he did, he checked every single box when it comes to health. He was from the outside, right? One of the healthiest 78-year-olds I've ever met. So it came as a real shock and real heartache and really traumatic, to be honest. Um, and again, I, you know, does it still suck? Absolutely. Can I at least appreciate something that I've gained from that experience? Sure. Yeah. And I think in the moment, if somebody had said to you, Jennifer, there's a gift in this, right. you know, in the first day, you might have knocked them out. <laughs> uh, but I understand what you're saying on such a deep level because I just went through four years of absolute hell. Mm -hmm. And my empathy, though, is it's been expanded mm -hmm. and it feels so good. Yeah. I mean, it can be heavy sometimes to feel so much empathy for others, mm -hmm. but it's also a bit of a superpower that I've really come to love yeah. this new part of me. Um, so I love that you brought that mm -hmm. up because I think empathy is is something that um, we poo-poo a lot, like it makes you weak or soft. Yeah. And I think that's the complete opposite. So I love yeah. that you shared that story. Yeah, I feel like I'm was completely broken open, you know, and uh, that can be really powerful. But other weapons can be things like resilience, perseverance, generosity, um, humbleness, humor. I mean, there's tons of things that we learn and develop because of our hardships, actually. Okay, so let's just say somebody's mastered white belt. We're moving on. We're moving into yellow belt. And I think we have to, to pause here quickly because you talk at the beginning of this chapter as if 9-11 wasn't enough. <laughs> Shortly after, you're walking down the street in New York, and you're attacked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Late one night, walking home, I was right in front of my apartment building, actually, uh, distracted by a voicemail that I wanted to listen to. Next thing I know, there's hands up my dress, and I'm being grabbed by some creep on the street. Um, this time, instead of the freeze response, I went straight into fight. Um, again, I had been training a little longer this time. Maybe that's had something to do with it, I'm sure. And I was able to kind of um, tap into this rage, this inner rage of how dare you touch me? How dare you violate me? I spun around, you know, started making myself big and flailing my arms and screaming at the top of my lungs at him. I wouldn't repeat what I said on this podcast, but, um, and he took off running. So, that was kind of the second little pivotal moment, little, um, in my life at the time where I started to realize, okay, well, A, it could have been so much worse. And B, it is a lot worse for a lot of women out there. And I started to read studies and statistics and, and just hear stories of women. Um, here in the U.S., it's one in five women that'll be victim of, victims of sexual assault. Globally, one in three. Um, I don't know the Canadian um, statistic off the top of my head, but I'm sure it's probably similar, one in five, one in four. Um, but it's common, and it's too common. So that gave me more fuel to even, you know, go deeper into my martial arts training. That visual 
of you running down the street in your stilettos, though, is, I think, something most women can relate to because we all have those moments in our lives where we snap. Mm -hmm. We're done. We're just done. Yeah. Putting up with this. <laughs> and that anger and that rage mm -hmm. just comes out to the front. Yes. And it's a very powerful moment. But then we need to harness it mm -hmm. to keep it going. Yeah. And I think that's probably a lot of what you're talking about in Chapter 2 is that bouncing back from these things. Yes. So tell me then what Yellow Belt Chapter 2 sort of looks like for people when they're going through the exercise of that. For sure. So uh, there are three strategies that I learned on the mat that help us either avoid the takedown altogether or get back up with more velocity and ease each time. The first one is the pivot. I feel like we've all mastered the pivot over the last few years, either working from home, homeschooling kids, being isolated for long periods of time. Like, we've got that. Um, but essentially on the mat, it looks like moving out of the way of a incoming assault or when something's not working, we change direction. That's the literal um, or the metaphor for life. And then the second strategy is to roll with the punches. So sometimes life throws you not one punch, but one after another and after another. Um, gosh, I have a friend literally texting me today that already her mother died, her first dog died, her second dog is now just got the cancer diagnosis. It's like that kind of thing where you just like throw in one thing after another. And right away, I thought of strategy number two, rolling with the punches, where on the mat, we learn to take the impact of a hit and, you know, tuck ourselves into a tiny ball, use that momentum to roll back and reverse direction to get us right back up on our feet as, you know, essentially the more we practice, the easier it becomes to get back up. So sometimes it's about using the momentum, like, okay, I've been down here before. I know how to get back up again. But really in that chapter or in that section, I'll give you actual tangible ideas how to do that. And one is really leaning on your community, finding finding people that have walked a mile in your shoes, finding people that have gone through your specific um, challenge or problem, right? Not just your friends or your friend circle or your family, the usual people you go to advice. I want you to find specific people like a support group or a, a friend or someone who has, if it's divorced, that has been divorced and got through it on the other side. If it's, um, for my example in the book is, I was diagnosed with severe osteoarthritis in my hip and torn labrum. And the only thing to do is have a hip replacement. I found instead of asking my friends who have no idea um, about that particular challenge, I found a private Facebook group, young people with total hip replacements. I've used them over five years. And now I just had my surgery 11 weeks ago. Um, they are people that I can ask questions. I can lean on. They share their stories. I can now share mine. Um, and it's a really solid place to go for advice and support. So I want you to find that for whatever challenge you're going through. I agree with you on finding your group because there's, you know, often we feel like, oh, I'm, I'm in this alone. There's nobody else. Mm -hmm. I can assure you there is a group for literally everything out there. There is nothing that there's not a support group for nowadays. And it's so easily accessible. It's one of the benefits of of technology for sure is that you can find people who've been ex to probably exactly what you've been through exactly yeah uh-huh a hundred percent and then the third um lastly sometimes night life knocks you out for the count those times where you're not sure how you're going to make it through how you're going to get out of bed in the morning um 
there's no option to pivot or roll. The only option is to make an ultimate comeback, rise from the ashes like a phoenix, right? And that that entails kind of recreating yourself or your job or your relationships or whatever, but really recreating yourself um, as you want it to be on the other side of this. So not just like passively getting through, I mean, recreating, being an active participant in recreating your life and what you want it to look at look like. You know, I'm thinking about that because I'm thinking you're not the same person after you go through something like that. There's just no way you could be um, when you go through a traumatic event in your life. You can't go back. Right. So why not write a really awesome comeback story for yourself? Exactly. Oh, I like it. I like the way you said that. Write the comeback story. It's true. Write it out. And I, I encourage people to actually write it out as you would, you know, journaling, very free, um, what is it called? Like free writing. Um, and then take that, that document and then make your actual to-do list, right? The, the steps that you need to take to actually get to the other side of that. You know, the yellow belt then, we've mastered our resiliency. We've, we've worked on our comeback story. We've, we're ducking and weaving, uh, all of these great things. And then we move on to orange. Yeah. And what does that level look like? Orange belt um, is called block the BS. So essentially, if you are on the mat long enough, you realize that if you don't learn to block the incoming punches and kicks, you're going to spend way more time on the floor than necessary. So you learn and drill these blocking techniques in life. They translate to setting powerful boundaries with people, places, and things that drag us down, that try to take us down, that are even drain our energy from us or drain our power, really. So um, in general, I kind of outlined two, two styles of blocking, hard blocking and soft blocking. Hard blocks um, on the mat Essentially, if an incoming assault is coming at you, you meet the incoming assault with a force equal to or greater than that incoming assault. In a softer block, you will blend with the incoming assault only to redirect it, either out into space or back at your opponent. So again, the translation to, to life is first ident identifying those areas in your life where you need better boundaries. So either in your personal relationships, professional relationships, your relationship with social media, with the news, I mean, anything that you consume, and we consume things all day long, even unconsciously, without realizing it. We consume other people's energy, people especially that we spend a lot of time with. So think about your consumption, right? The things that you take in, that you watch, that you listen to, that you read, the energy, the people that you speak to. And find areas where you think you may need some more powerful boundaries. I think that's a hard one for women. Mm -hmm. I mean, this book is, I think, largely written with women in mind. Yes. And <laughs> boundaries are a hard one because we're socially sort of conditioned to not really have a lot of boundaries from a young age. You know, we, we do things that make us uncomfortable in order to be polite. Correct. That is a hard thing to shake. Uh -huh. So I feel like people might spend some time on the orange level yeah. <laughs> before, they can, before they can move on. Yeah. Uh, but when they do, they're going to move into green. Yeah. And green, I really liked because in that chapter, you talk about a vocabulary detox. Mm -hmm. So can you expand on that? For sure. 
So um, Green Bell Level is essentially about finding your spirited yell, your powerful form of communication. Um, in the dojo, we we yell. We use these the term kiop uh, on to accentuate every punch and kick. And you know, again, in life, we we also need to find ways to powerfully communicate, whether that be setting boundaries, asking for the promotion, asking for the pay raise or equal pay, or telling somebody to back off, right? Any of those things, we need to powerfully align our words, our tone, and our body language, but into the words. Um, also, I talk a lot about the our, our vocabulary, right? So the words that we say outwardly matter, and they can either be power-gaining words or power-draining words. So going on a vocabulary detox essentially is looking for the power drains that you use on a regular basis. And there are just so many examples of things that we use on a regular basis that are either self-deprecating, um, that we're putting ourselves down, especially in front of other people. We doubt ourselves. Um, but even things like gossip or, you know, complaining all the time, those things too are energy drains. So just spending a day even of really like everything that comes out of your mouth, just hearing it and observing it, right? And there's, and there's even exercises in the book to, you know, or ideas on how to clean it up in the moment. Even if you do, you know, complain or say something negative about someone else or, you know, all these different things, there's actual vocabulary swaps in the chapter that you can go through to really clean up your vocabulary. One of the things that you talk about in that is avoiding disaster statements. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people catastrophize, especially in today's world. And how can we not? I mean, let's face it. We've got wars going on and protests and climate change. I mean, it's, it is a shit show out there. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's mentally exhausting. Yeah. So, of course, you want to say, like, everything sucks. The sky is falling. Yeah. Um, but to your point about the energy. Mm -hmm. I think that we we feed off of each other's energy. So if mm. I'm catastrophizing and I walk into a room, somebody else is going to pick up on that. Now they're doing mm. it. And then somebody else is doing. And this mindset is contagious. I mean, it's a sickness, really. We're seeing it all over on the internet mm -hmm. uh, where people are feeding off of each other's en energy. I mean, let's face it. We have algorithms that feed our energy Yes. now. Yes, we do. Wow. So I think that mm. one one key point really hit home for me was the avoiding the disaster statement. Yeah. Yes, it's not ideal right now. We can agree. Yeah. <laughs> but uh you know, is it the worst case scenario? Probably not. So let's let's mind our language in those terms because I think it it adds to it when we when we go that down that path. Yes. And I mean and some of those examples I I used in the book are like people in my life like for example my friend is always like love is a battlefield i'm like is it really you know and then you look at her relationships and sure enough that is what she manifests in every relationship that love is a battlefield so if you have these things it's almost like they're self-prophesizing you're you are going to make them true whether they are or not yeah i i absolutely agree and i think that's a really uh powerful chapter and and people will spend time on this one for sure uh if they're paying attention 
Uh, let's move on though, because uh, you know I want to make sure that we can get to all of them. Let's talk about the blue belt. That's next, right? Yes. Sure thing. Um, blue belt. Blue belt is elevate your energy. So as a martial artist, you start to to recognize what chi is, right? Your life force energy, how it moves you, how it keeps you alive, how it keeps you vibrant. I always thought it was so interesting when I was learning about that. That here in the states, we don't, or even in Canada, I mean, the Western world in general, we don't even have that that awareness of it we don't even have a word for it right it's it's still like this thing that is from eastern culture and we don't really know about unless you go seek out tai chi or qigong or acupuncture even things that that deal with chi but really here there's no mention of it but yet we're all heading for burnout and running out of this life force energy um or at least it's very low and drained in a lot of people so this book is about essentially radical self-care, which I don't think is that radical, the things that I outline in the book, but but it is self-care needed to not just survive these rough times, but to to really thrive in your life. Now you say these things are not radical. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, people are gonna go, she's radical. Really? <laughs> you talk about well, I know you're not, but people are going to say it yeah. because you come after the crutches. Mm-hmm. Coffee, mm-hmm. wine, mm-hmm. internet, mm-hmm. like the, the things that are help are getting us by. Yeah. But the reality is they're not really getting us by. Right. And the reality is that there's plenty of room for them in your life in small doses. I mean, I have a cup of coffee every morning. I love it. It makes me feel so good. It gives me that little boost in the morning. But if I was doing that all day long, I'd be putting myself in a state of fight or flight all day long with stress hormones running through, pumping through my body. I'd be wearing out my adrenal glands and sooner or later would definitely burn out from that, from, from my adrenal glands just going, forget it, right? I'm not going to work anymore. And I'd find myself at the doctor with mysterious illnesses or autoimmune diseases that no one could really figure out or really solve. Because at the end of the day, it's all of these just, okay, basic things that may seem radical. <laughs> I'm, relying on, I'm relying on artificial um, sources of energy instead of finding the root cause of why I'm tired in the first place. Yeah. And I like that you said radical self-care. And I think, uh, you know, when my my mother said something to me at one point about, you know, if you're in a partnership with somebody and they're not taking care of themselves, that's selfish. They're being selfish because they owe you as a partner better. Yeah, that is true. Because who's going to be the one taking care of them? You are. (laughs) Yeah. Radical self-care is, 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 yes, uh, important. It's not selfish. It's selfless. And you're actually benefiting your family and the people who love you by taking care of yourself. Because the reality is, if something goes wrong, they're going to have to take care of you. A hundred percent. I love that perspective. And think about also, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're the mom, you're running around, you're putting everyone else first. What kind of example are you setting for your children? Do you want them to do that? Put everyone before them and have the same type of of burnout cycle? Or do you want to Um, be the example of self-care and wow, mom really takes care of herself and mom respects her body and mom, you know, has her alone time and, and her friend time and this and that. Like I just, you're the example. So 
So be the example. And model what healthy boundaries look like. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's great. I love that chapter. And and then when we, we graduate from our blue and we go into red. And I thought that was probably the most exciting chapter because you're a warrior. Yeah. And it's time to connect with your inner warrior. So at Red Bell level, we start to learn slower forms of movement. We deepen our meditation. Um, this is really the level where you start to practice uh, some side some sort of mindfulness practice. And I mean, the idea, at least in the dojo, would be to to take that into other areas of your life. I will be honest, at the time, on my, in my actual Hapkido training, I dabbled in meditation. I never took it seriously. I never took it outside of the dojo, put it that way. So I didn't meditate in the mornings in my own home, et cetera. It wasn't until the last six, seven years here, you know, living, um, older now, like another decade after, that I really put it into, like committed to my meditation practice. And I have seen drastic transformation because of it in the way I act and think and feel. And essentially, it's about choosing, right? Having, Having a space between a stimulus and a response, widening that gap. I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. Um, between, you know, something that causes upset and your reaction to it. And at that level, you literally get to choose how you want to think, act, and feel every single moment of the day. And there's nothing more powerful than that. Let's talk about meditation for two seconds then, because you mentioned that. And I think that is something that I really embraced as I was going through the divorce process. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, I can't do it. And I would get so frustrated because I, you know, I I couldn't stay in the moment. I was like, this is stupid. I mean, I was yep. just all caught up in my head. Mm-hmm. And then I got it. And it was so great. And what I loved about it, and what I think you're saying here, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what I loved about it when I got meditation was I realized it it was it it wasn't the moments I was sitting on the mat. It was the moments I was frustrated and I was in my car and I was driving and I was mad at somebody or, or you know, something would happen in my life to throw me off my game. And I was able to pull myself back and focus on the breath and be present in that moment. And I think that's what you're saying about mastering each of these levels is that you're pulling out of the dojo into real life. A hundred percent. Absolutely. I love the way you just described that. There are uh, so many benefits that I can point to when it comes to meditation. And mind you, in the chapter, it's not just about meditation. It's any mindfulness practice that works for you. Journaling, petting your animals, I mean, breathing techniques. There's so many to choose from. Meditation is what, you know, has worked for me and millions of other people. Um, And there's tons of studies and all of that good stuff. But anyway... The off the mat, you're right. So later on in your day when when you're getting upset, yes, that med- meditation has primed you to have better coping skills essentially for it. Another thing, I I love it in the morning because it sets up my day. I set my state for the whole entire day. Um, and I use visualization techniques to to call in things in my life. I mean, I use it as a very active practice. Whereas some people think of meditation, you just have to sit there and not think and let go of the thoughts. That's not how I do it. That's not how I meditate. I actively use those minutes to create my state, to be grateful, to envision what I want to, you know, 
be, do, and have in the future. Like it's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and but that's what I mean. The power of of practicing martial arts or meditation or any of these things is is not necessarily when you're doing them. It's when you utilize the skills when you need them the most, and that's that's where the power comes from. So I really love that you talked about that. All right, oh. we're moving on from red. Yeah. And we're at the black belt level. Yeah. What's that look and feel like? Oh, okay. So black belt level, um, essentially, again, when I was younger and looking up to the black belts, I thought it was about being able to take someone down twice my size or my sword forms or this or that. But as I got closer to it, what I realized was um, that it was about so much more. I had to volunteer 100 hours of teaching hours before I was even considered a black belt candidate. Why? Because black belt is about being a teacher, a teacher, a mentor, a coach who lifts others through the ranks too. So really, that's the whole lesson. Um, we learn that black belt level is not the end. It's just the beginning, that we're always this work in progress. And at the same time that we get to, to stand up for other people, right? We take these stances, we drill these physical stances that keep us very steady and grounded, and that translates to other things in our life, having the steadiness and the groundedness to take a stand for causes, for people, um, to, you know, essentially stick up for other people. So that for me, it's women, right? I have a passion about women's safety and equality. And once I started using those stances and speaking out or speaking up, I should say, on those issues, that's when my business grew, my influence has expanded. Um, you know, and I think that's a great lesson for everyone. You're a leader in your life right now. You simply need to choose it, step into it, you know, tie the symbolic black belt around your waist, take a stand for other people, for causes that are important to you, and you will see your influence grow. Yeah, I, I love that. It's that whole, you know, analogy of a rising tide lifts all boats. Yes. Is reach back and help others, you know. Uh, my journey, for example, through the divorce court system was a nightmare. Yeah. Now I'm committed to helping other women pull through this. Oh, amazing. And, and I think sometimes people get through a hard process and they go, oh, my God, I never want to think about this again. And I don't blame them. Yeah. However, I think if you're strong enough, it's incumbent on you to help others. Yeah. Uh, uh, especially if you can, right? Lend them a voice. Uh, mm -hmm. Lend them your experience, your knowledge. These are gifts that you've been given. So why not share them with others, right? Absolutely. I, I, yeah. Again, I love how you eloquently summarize each of these chapters and <laughs> bring them into your own life. No, it's, that's the beauty of this, of the framework is that it can relate to everyone and their experiences. I mean, that's the hope anyway. Well, it's such a great book. And I really, um, I think I have read eh, maybe almost every self-help book yeah. out there. I can't get enough of them. I love them. I, you know, because there's wisdom in almost every one. And even if you don't apply everything, you can always learn something from other people about how they've mm -hmm. coped, how they've got through. But this one was just such an easy read. Uh, I really encourage people to go out and get this and put these things into practice. Uh, so I want people to be able to find the book. Uh, mm -hmm. I know in Canada, they can get it at indigo.ca uh, and amazon.ca. Yes. Uh, but where can they follow you? Because you're quite active on social media, so you're, you're always sharing. 
Yes, I, I do my best. Um, Instagram and TikTok is Jen Cassetta, two N's, two S's, two T's. Um, I'm also active on LinkedIn. I, I've been digging LinkedIn this, the last couple of years as well. So you can find me any of those places and my website at jennifercassetta.com. Incredible. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me. I, I'm a big fan of this book and of you. So this has been great. Thank you so much, Candice. You've been amazing. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars. The one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.